Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This episode is powered by denmeditation.com with locations in Los Angeles that normalize meditation and make it available to all. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Den Talks Live. We're so happy to be here. I think this is our fifth live one, and we have Nick Vile here today. Woohoo! So excited. I got weirdly nervous. Are you nervous? You guys are making him nervous. Um, I'm so excited to have him here today because I think there are many layers to Nick people don't always know. So I'm excited to really dig in and talk about it. One being that he's actually co-founded a company called Natural Habit, which is an essential oil company. And if you look in your goodie bags, there is actually a sample that you get to take home. So that's amazing. And again, for those of you who are listening from home, this is why you got to come. We always have great goodie bags and like giveaways and amazing things happening here. So, I'm excited that you're here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And are you guys all ready? So, remember, afterwards, we always do a Q&A, so get your questions ready. We will also follow with a personal practice, which is a quote that you use often. Um, and then we will have light bites and drinks outside, too. So, stick around. And let's get into it. Let's do it. So, one of the questions I wanted to start with, which was... You know, you were obviously on The Bachelor and Bachelorette in Paradise, so you've been on dating shows, and you've had you millions... Got, got them all. Um, and you've had millions of people scrutinizing your choices and what you've done, who you love, how you date. But yet, all of a sudden now, you're kind of this, like, relationship guru between, you know, Vile Files and your Instagram, Ask Nick. All of a sudden, all these people are gravitating to asking you a million dating questions and advice questions. What do you think the transformation's been? Well, you know, coaches don't play. So. Oh, no, um, I uh, I don't know. I've always uh, I've always been uh, interested in social dynamics. Like I just always have. So uh, the Bachelor is kind of a perfect environment, to, and that's really what the show is: is kind of a study of social dynamics. And um, in that, I have a bit of an analytical brain, and and also a combination of that. Um, you know, I did a lot of, uh, my 20s was uh, all relationship based. So I fell in love when I was 18 and then dated her off and on uh, for like seven years. It was, you know, first love, right? And so you um, can't really get over that person, but you try to. Did you meet her in high school or afterwards? Right, literally right after I graduated high school. Oh. 
And then, you know, we broke, well, then I dated someone else right after that. And then after that relationship ended, there was like maybe an eight month gap. And just there was some heartbreak involved in, in all the, in those times. And so for me to get over those relationships, I really kind of had to self-reflect on myself and the things I did. And a lot of the relationship advice I give now is based off of... Um, kind of things I had to end up telling myself or, or kind of contrary to things I used to believe when I was younger and the things I would stress over, about and, and, and ruminate over. And, and so I just kind of got into that. And then being on The Bachelor kind of makes you think about that stuff. And, <laughs> and then I just, you know, I have this platform and um, I, my friend, like I have a lot of female friends and they would sometimes come to me for advice and it seemed to work out and uh, giving the advice, and so I kind of used it. You do cut right through the bullshit, which I love. Like, if you guys don't follow his Instagram and read the, the questions, it's, I, half the time I'm always like, that's the funniest fucking answer, but you're always right. Like, you're literally just telling people, yeah, he doesn't like you, don't know what to tell you. Like, you're just being really brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there is a little bit of that. I think, you know, it's easier on, on Instagram, and I try to bring some levit levity and humor to it, but... There is sometimes, I think, you know, people all will ask too, like, you know, why can you give advice or some specifically not in the relationship? And, or do you take your own advice? I mean, often I don't take my own advice. I mean, it's all in the sense that it's much easier to give advice when you have no vested interest in it. You can see things clearer. It's like, well, of course he doesn't like you, you know? I think sometimes as friends, you know, as the, you know I'm, I'm getting these questions and I'm sitting on a, on a phone screen and I have no, I don't know this person, you know? You know, friends sometimes make the mistake of, you know, not wanting to just be up front because they want to think, oh, he, he likes you or here's the, all these reasons why, you know, he could not be calling, you know, but usually the simplest ex explanation is, is the right one. And so it's just easy for someone who has no vested interest to see things a little bit clearer. And, and give that advice. And I so I think we can all do that, but... I had know. a friend tell me once, and I'm like, is that an insult? She was like, when I really, really want to hear it, I call you. But if I'm not ready to hear it yet, I'll never call you. That's, <laughs> I was well, like, hey, I guess I'm a little harsh. Well, that was kind of my relationship with my parents when I was younger. Uh, my mom is a saint, truly a, a saint. And she, I've always been very close with my mom and connected with my mom, and she has a huge heart. And when I was young and, and, and kind of going through a couple of heartbreaks, I mean, a couple of heartbreaks, I was just really bummed, and I really let it fester. And every Were you morning, a little dramatic in a breakup? Oh, totally. <laughs> and I would, like, there was, like, a, a, a few-month period that I would, you know, wake up and really be bummed, and I would drive to work, and I'd call my mom, and, and I got, like, 30 minutes of, like, just venting my mom, and my mom, God bless her, would listen every time. In a weird kind of way, she... Enjoyed it because here for her 22-year-old son's calling her every morning, and she Aww. just loved that. Meanwhile, my dad's like, you, dude, you got to let it go, you know? <laughs> and I'll never forget, um, I'll, I remember, I was, you know, again, you're younger, and this is my first love, you know? And I always talk about how, how you know, heartbreak, when you experience the first time, it, it's, it is hard. When you, when you think to yourself, I won't get over this, because you truly don't know if you will. You know, the first time you're in love, you never felt it. And it's exciting. The first time you get your heart broken, you don't know if you'll get over it. And you, so when you, you also think, don't believe it's going to ever happen. Again. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget my dad was like, dude, you just you got to stop, man. You know, <laughs> and I remember like just petulantly just saying, 
Dad, you might as well tell me to levitate because it's just as likely that I'll get over her <laughs> as I will fly. And I just, I believe in my mom's like, Chris, you know, just take it out. And, like, and, and so, but sometimes you need to hear the, the harsh reality of you will get over it. And you just, but because sometimes we can ruminate and we can make it worse and we can love to hurt so good sometimes. What's something lately where, because you were saying you don't take your own advice often, do you remember a situation recently where you're like, you were too close in it, and if you could look outwards, you would have given yourself a very different piece of advice? Um, not really in that sense. Um, I think sometimes in my life I, I will make decisions where it's just like, well, I know there's really going to be no outcome that is you know, ultimately at the point in my life, I'd like to meet someone and settle down. And, and there's things I do that uh, help lead to that. And there's things I do that, like, this is not going to lead to me meeting my person. <laughs> and sometimes my argument is like, well, what else am I going to do on a Wednesday? I got no plans, you know, like. Um, so there's a little bit of that. Um, I, I, you know, I think my, I think my sometimes issues now as I get older is I, I, uh, I worry that I get... Um, I've become too pragmatic, um, yeah. where it's paralysis of choice, or you know, like the benefit. Of, you know, when you're younger, you're um, you're more naive, and you make these kind of silly choices. But life's a little bit more exciting. You know, you you do these things, and it's well, this is great. You know, like I've never. He's like, we met. You're, you're pretty, and you make me smile. We should date. You know, like you know. And then when you get older, you have relationships that don't work out and hopefully you learn a little bit about yourself and the people you're attracted to and then you meet someone you're like hey, you seem nice and yeah I guess we can go out again but you also seem a lot like my second girlfriend and <laughs> and so it's kind of you know I'm sim oversimplifying but it's a, a little bit of that of, of trying to uh, you know get that feeling of falling in love where I think it's harder as you get older uh, unless you're on The Bachelor but do you feel like you've actually <laughs> there you go but do you feel like you've brought then some of your, like on that, where you're like, you remind me a lot of my second girlfriend, some of that then is like you're not letting people even get through the gate because you're bringing your own shit oh, totally. to someone else yeah. before they walk in. Yeah, so I think that's, I, I, try to, I try to be aware of that. In the moment, it's harder to do sometimes. Right. How connected do you feel like, because I thought that was an interesting statement, of like when you're younger, you're a little bit, it feels like we run a little bit more on emotion, and now it sounds like you're saying I run a little bit more on my head. Yeah. So mm. do you feel like you struggle a little bit with like the heart and mind connection? I do a lot. Um, I think that's also just been my personality. Um, I, I dated a girl once who called me a pragmatic poet <laughs> um, because I have the, you know, I can be very pragmatic and very like again I have a kind of analytical brain but by but the way I love that description because that's taking two she's great, very she's different a, she's an interesting things. girl yeah and then I you know I have I'm, I'm the guy who you know when I was on The Bachelor was like r drawing and writing a fairy tale book for you know <laughs> so like I have that ability to really um, you know use my words when I want to um, and you know I don't know but sometimes I feel like it's, it's hard to be both yeah, I mean, I think that's what we're all struggling with, right? And figuring out how, when to trust the heart and mm -hmm. when to actually also not go so crazy with the heart, you're actually not thinking either. Um, so 
Tell me what you think. Talking about like The Bachelor, what misconceptions? I mean, obviously anyone who's achieved any fame, actors especially, you know, people come up to them on the streets all the time feeling like they know who they are. But I would also assume there's another layer coming from the world of reality because you're not even playing a character, you're playing yourself, where people just make assumptions that they know you. What do you feel like the biggest misconception or the way you're most misunderstood because of what people's perceptions were from you on TV? Um, I, I don't, that's, that's, I get asked a lot, and honestly, it's a hard question to answer for, for a couple of reasons. One is, I've played a few roles or characters on the show, um, and in your brain, from a fan standpoint, or if you, when you're speaking to people who watch the show, you think that everyone has watched every episode of every season you've been on. <laughs> and the reality is that's, you know, some people didn't watch the first season, only watched the second season, or they didn't watch when I was on Paradise. And it's like, well, if you didn't watch when I was on Paradise, then you really missed out, you know. <laughs> um, or, you know, they you know, only watched maybe a couple episodes, so you don't really know what is that perception. Um, but I also would probably guess is that I, I, I do sometimes... Um, can be called like a, you know, a jerk. Um, and I think there's a perception out there, even in Bachelor World. But truth be told, um, that's something I've struggled with my whole life. Um, and so I, I will say that The Bachelor is something that uh, they, you know, for all the criticism the show gets sometimes when it comes to edits, they, they do try to tell the story that happened and they do try um, to accurately portray the people on it. Now, they're operating in a very tight window of airtime and, and storytelling, and so what ultimately ends up happening is you get a very siloed version of each person. And so what I always you know, say when people ask, well, is, was that you or was that so-and-so? It's like, well, sure, that was one aspect of who they were. Um, no one's is ever as good or as bad as they, they come across on the show. Um, but in my life, I've... I've always, you know, I can be, I always joke that my resting gaze can be somewhat unpleasant. Um, but, like, dig into this a little more. I love that you said, I've kind of gotten this my whole life, being yeah. a jerk. What aspect of being a jerk do you get? Well, I don't think I am a jerk, but I'm, I think there's a couple things of, I can be, well, I am tall. I've realized that, like, and I, in a crowd where there's short people, I all stand out. And if I'm in a... <laughs> And uh, if I'm in a crowd, like, I'm out there, sometimes I can, I can be in my own head. And if I'm in my own head, I'm just kind of standing there looking maybe pissed off or aloof. And so they're like, well, here's this, like, guy. He must think he's all that. And I've gotten that even when I was younger. And then I also can be sometimes curt um, and sarcastic. And so the combination of all those things can, at times, I'll be like, oh, yeah, maybe I, I should Shouldn't have said that. And so it that comes can, off that so but you've it, always it, at times like it has come off that way. So who in your life keeps you in check? Is it your family? Is it I've been very lucky when it comes to uh, I think it starts with my parents. Um, I've always been lucky to have the parents that I have and they've always been very willing to uh, tell me I was being a jerk if I was. Um, and I think more importantly, um, you know, I I grew up in a time, I, was, I played sports my whole life, and I've always been grateful for the fact that my parents um, had no problem with my coaches coaching me. Um, there were a couple times I had some really, really tough coaches that even at a very early age, I was like, this guy seems really intense and I want to cry. <laughs> and my parents were like, just listen to him, you know? They had no problem with, you know, someone um, 
you know, as long as it was Sounds like me productive. too. Israeli family, they could give yeah, a shit. Yeah, you know, and I think that really helped in terms of keeping me in check. And I've always, me personally, I've, I've responded to, well to criticism. Um, and I think that comes from that. And then as an adult, I, I do value uh, having friends and people in my life who, um, you know, can do the same thing. And um, I'm, I'm a loyal person. I, I like to keep my circles tight. And there's, there, I, I, I like friends who, I treat people how I like to be treated. And so even sometimes I can be curt. I like my friends to be, to be direct with me. I appreciate, you know, I go back to like, as much as I love my mom and I really appreciate her taking the time to listen <laughs> to me every day, I kind of wish she would have backed off. My dad would have leaned in a little bit more when I was younger because there were things I needed to hear and I wasn't willing to listen. Um, and it, it might have saved me a, a little bit of heartbreak. And you come from a really big family. Yeah. How many siblings? Ten. And you're what in ten? On um, two. You're number two. Yeah. How was that being the oldest? Was there pressure being the oldest of such a big clan? No, I lucked out um, in the sense that I have an older sister, and then I had two um, younger sisters after me. And then there was like a three-year gap. And I, my parents always joke that I'm an only child with ten siblings. <laughs> I, I've been very. That says a lot about you. I've by the been way. very independent, and so I've always just kind of done my own thing. Uh, my sisters were the tattlers, like they're always worrying about what everyone else was doing, and I just was like, I don't care. Like I'm just gonna do, you know. Um, and so, you know, and I played sports, and I was for a while. I was like when my sisters didn't, and so I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, I was fortunate that I was. I never starved for attention in the sense that I never felt like I, even though technically in a weird way, a middle child, I just, I was the oldest son and I guess that kind of worked out. Did, um, how is that with a family that big? I mean, does loud. every, loud, does everybody get along? I mean, not, I mean in general, like in Generally the bigger speaking, sense, we're still a really close family. Um, you know, uh, there's this group text we're on that I have to mute and it's just <laughs> Now there's like brother-in-laws and nieces and nephews on it. And it's like every day I'm like, you got 40 texts. You know? it's <laughs> like it's just, oh, it's my family. Just, um, they probably wish I read it more. But um, and like when you go through the gamut of your siblings, how different are you all? You know that's interesting. And I only have my I, so I have four brothers. So there's five boys, and it's amazing how there's no one who's the same. I mean, there might be similarities, but it's drastically... I, remember, I, will know, I was a few years ago, and I was going to a preseason Packer game with three of the four brothers that I have and my dad. And I remember just looking at all of them and myself and being like, it's amazing how different we all are. And it's, it's truly amazing. But yeah, so there's... Um, I'm close with my sister Maria, who's also a part of Natural Habits. She's a holistic nutritionist. And, um, and Bella... For those who watch the show, my mom tells me how we uh, are very similar in our personalities. Um, but uh, there's a lot of a lot of personalities in our family. Do you? Um, so you're closest to those two sisters. Uh, well, it's different with Bella. She's the younger. She's 14. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm close. I'm close with my sister uh, Maria. And my probably my brother Sam, who's the second oldest boy. But there's a seven year gap. Were you guys raised with any religion? Oh, we're very Catholic. Very yeah. Catholic. What do you feel like you still hold on to? What has evolved for you? What have you rejected? That's really interesting. What, I, what like still influences you? Well, well, it's two questions. but Take your uh, time. Um, <laughs> what influences me? I don't know. I'll have to think about that. But uh, faith and, and religion is something I've, uh, I've struggled with recently. Not struggled with, but 
I guess I was raised very Catholic, and I still uh, I still hold on to that identity. Um, I went to church every Sunday on my own until I was thirty three, thirty four. I mean, I was oh, I was a Eucharistic minister. I did readings. I and there's a positive moments in my life. I mean, uh, after I was engaged before everyone on the show, and and that was probably the best thing ever happened to me. And I really. I think I finally grew up when that happened. But um, so there was a period where I was just like, okay, fine, I'm gonna stop, you know, and learning from past mistakes. Instead of like pining over the relationship and 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 feeling sorry for myself, I, you know, started, you know, and it was through the church, you know, volunteering at a food pantry. Every time, okay, I'm 28, I make money, I can I can do things with my life and stop feeling of sorry for about myself. And so, you know, through my faith and religion, I I, I did that, and then. Again, being analytical as I've gotten older, I've gotten away from it a little bit. Um, I've struggled with that a little bit. Um, there are things about organized religion that kind of, you know, I don't... What part do you struggle with? Well, I, mean, I, I think sometimes... You know, it's interesting so with social media. I think sometimes it seems like people use religion or God as a weapon. Um, uh for all the internet trolls out there, nine out of ten have a uh, bio that says uh, "Praise Jesus, John three fourteen, <laughs> nothing but love." But on my comments, it's something quite different. Um, and uh, it's you know, for all the bachelor people the love. I, I love out there, it's just very easy. It's like you're get out of jail free card. It's like, well, I love Jesus and blah 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 blah, and everyone, you know, oh. That's great. And I'm like, actually, he's a pretty terrible person. Um, <laughs> I have, a, you know, so there's a, and again, I, I, I think religion has played, a, I mean, my parents were introduced by Catholic priests. I, I grew up around priests and nuns, and I had, un, un, you know, for all the, the shit that's out there about Catholic priests, I had some phenomenal experiences with, the, with these people who were very close and mentors of mine and um, great people. But I also kind of out there sometimes see people use it and, um, I know there's a question you asked me before that the the what I've been watching about how sometimes uh, it can lead to kind of a subservient approach, and uh, we didn't, don't ask questions and, and challenge concepts, and we do things because we're supposed to. And I think sometimes that can lead to some very harmful things. What part of your Catholic upbringing has really stayed with you? Uh, other than the identity of it, I guess. Um, That's interesting. I like. I still like like to say I'm Catholic. If that makes sense. What? Why do you like that? I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> I don't know. I just do. Interesting. Um, do you feel like it's like your past with God? Like you're still nervous to like in your mind? Do you feel like that's your kind only of? connection? I will. I will say like I when I feel like I'm having a, a, a not a good thought, I then I'll pray. I like I'll say a Hail Mary or something. If I like say if I like. I don't know what the thought is, but if I, if I just have a thought that I don't like or I, I'll, I'll see someone un, un, like that, I, you know, it centers me still in like a, a prayer. I think that's not, it's, it's still a beautiful way of yeah. altering what you're thinking and how you're, wh- which direction you're putting your energy into. And I think that's actually yeah, beautiful. I, I notice I'll do that, yeah, when I'm stressed out or something. Yeah. It brings me back to neutral. Do you, when you're, so that's when you're like upset or going through a breakup now or something, do you still pray? I haven't had a breakup in a while. And the last breakup I had, I was more relief, but. Um, <laughs> You've come a long way. Yeah. 
How many phone calls to your mom with that breakup? <laughs> None. I went and slept like a baby. Look at that. <laughs> That's, what do you feel like the biggest thing you've learned from your Five family, whether it be your parents or whether it be so, a family of 11? What do you think the again? biggest thing is that you've learned? Like what's your... From my family? Yeah. Or has like affected you the most? Uh... I mean, my parents have always been uh, great role models when it comes to sacrifice. Um, and, you know, my parents, their whole life is us kids. Um, it is truly, it amazes me. I, I had a great childhood. I mean, it sounds like, and I had a very basic blue-collar childhood, but my parents, like, their house was great, and our yard was great, and I did everything I could want as a kid. Now, I mean, like, we didn't take trips to Disney because we couldn't afford it, but... I had a lot of fun, you know, and my parents busted their butt and I had great Christmases and I also like was taught my parents like, you know, I was mowing lawns to go to movies, you know, because my parents couldn't afford it, but that taught, like I got a good work ethic from it and I had a great childhood. So, you know, my, I, you see my parents always sacrifice, you know, their, their, their needs at times and it's kind of fun now. My, my parents kind of have this kind of fuck it mentality now where it's just like, well, we've, we raised you kids, so like we're gonna go start having some fun, um, <laughs> and so which I'm glad. I'm glad they they have. So speaking of childhood, you've been very vocal about anxiety, and that's one of you know the reasons mm -hmm. your company even started. Because can we talk about that? Yeah. So how about how old were you when you started? Like you feel like the anxiety actually started kind of manifesting. Probably, probably I didn't know it. Was, I didn't know it was anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, probably. Probably in my early, tw probably college. Um, I just never thought of it as anxiety. I didn't really didn't know what it was. I just thought I was weird. So what was it like for you? What was it? What did it feel like? What was happening? It depends at times. I mean, there have been times where I, it's weird. I also like, it, there are certain people who would meet me who would call me an extrovert. And there are certain people who would meet me who would call me an introvert. And I honestly don't know the answer. I like for I just got I just got back from New York this morning. I love New York. I love the energy of the city. Um, I love being around people in crowds. I like the idea of going to a movie theater um, and experiencing a movie with other people because you can feel their energy. I also sometimes will go to parties and be like, I do not want to be around anyone, you know. Um, and I, I remember certain you know being at certain times where it was just like when I'm when I'm in a crowd or at parties I will I like. I like being in a large crowd in a small group, you know? I like my st to stick with my friends or meet one stranger and talk to them, you know? I, I don't like floating in, around in a room, but uh, sometimes I, I remember times where I just literally feel like I was having a panic attack, and I was just like, I, I, I don't, I, you know, then people start coming up to you like, why aren't you having any fun? You should dance. Like, do you want another drink? <laughs> I was like, no. makes it better. Um, so like there's I mean those moments where I, I really like I don't know what to do. And you didn't feel like that, let's say, in high school or when you were younger, it's really just started kind of in college? I I don't remember feeling that way. And you said you just felt weird. So it's just like all of a sudden you were overtaken with this new emotion and you assumed nobody else was feeling this. Well you just kind of I don't I never thought about it, yeah. I mean or I just feel tra you feel trapped. I don't know. It's the best way I could describe it. So did you have anyone to talk to about it? So all of a sudden you're feeling this shit you haven't really felt before. My Did mom. It, <laughs> call her up. Good old like, mom. Should we call listen? the mom? She's like, yes, I <laughs> we do. We should all call your mom. Um, but what, like, so you, you started, 
like how soon after feeling that stuff did you actually start communicating about it? Like how weird did you in your mind have to get before you were like, fuck, something's going on? I mean, I was, I, you know, I was never like uh, debilitating and I've always been a good communicator. Um, I've always, it's weird. I, there's just certain people I will decide to open up to and it's random people. It's funny, I was going to ask you this before, you, and you just answered it, really. Do you feel like you have good intuition when it comes to people? Like, do you pick Most and choose? Most of the time, and it depends on what. I haven't always. Um, and I think, you know, in this world, people can, you know, trick you. Um, but I, I'm, I'm pretty good at reading people. Uh, I think that makes me, you know, sometimes good at uh, answering people's questions and, and knowing, what, you know... Um, but you feel like you get an immediate read, like when you meet a stranger, because now yeah, you meet a lot I can of strangers. Get a, usually I can get a pretty good read. Um, I wouldn't say immediate, but if I have a five-minute conversation with someone, I can be like, all right, I know, it. I know what's <laughs> up. Um, okay, so back to the anxiety. So you're in college. Was it in the freshman year, like in the beginning? Like so, and all of a sudden you're just feeling in ways you didn't. Do you feel like something... Honestly, the, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, the first time I really felt anxiety is after I fell in love. It was like what broke the seal. Really? You know, kind of. The, I mean, I'm thinking back to the first time I had anxiety. Do you remember it was, what it was? Like the first moment that you felt something that felt different like that? Um, and the reason I just keep like I just remember really you. liking her. And we, it was because well, my first girlfriend I met right after high school. And so we dated all summer. And then we went to college. And then she went to a college that was like an hour away. And I didn't know this was before cell phones this is when a it was my freshman year of high, uh, college was the first year of AOL instant messenger um, you guys remember that I do and um so it wasn't as you know the world was larger I guess you could say and so uh, you know and she was experiencing college for the first time and there were times where I'd be like well you seem really hard to get a hold of I don't know what you're doing <laughs> Uh, you know stuff like that, and then you know I my, my I get it from my, I'm a warrior. I, I ruminate. I, I dwell. I I have a hard time letting things go. Were and you like so, that as a kid too? Yeah. So and then I, you I think that that leads to my anxiety often. It's the worrying. It just just dwelling and and fixating on things. So how did it start increasing? Like how did it start becoming something that actually like you could label yourself? You're like. Yeah, I have anxiety. It wasn't just like we all experience, everyone experiences anxiety. When did you realize you were someone who actually has anxiety? Uh, probably in my thirties, early thirties. Oh, so it took you a while to kind of. Well, I think generally, like culturally, we've become more aware of anxiety and 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 labeled it. Before it was just why are you being so weird, dude? Um, yeah. How do you feel like your anxiety affected your self perception and your ego? My ego's always been pretty healthy. Um, <laughs> that's probably the, the challenge. Is that it's it's I think because of that. And I, when I say when I say being cheated on, uh, and when I was twenty, it was the best thing that happened to me. Is because that was the first time I became aware of my ego, uh, and actually thought about it. Um, and, and wait, let's can, dive into that because a lot of people get cheated on and just play the blame game the whole time and are not aware of the ego. Sure. So what part of that made you actually start becoming aware of your own ego and looking inwards? Uh, well, part of it was I, my first girlfriend, there, we broke up a bunch of times. I, I ultimately ended that relationship. But there was a breakup early on where she broke up with me and I was a mess. And 
I, I didn't like how I was. And I remember after that, you know, when I was heartbroken again, I just remember thinking, okay, you're still heartbroken, but you can handle it differently. Um, and so I just tried to get over it as opposed to wallowing in it and accept that we weren't together anymore as opposed to thinking I could fix it. So there's ego there in, in terms of you, you can control a situation that you can't control. But um, I also... And... and you know, when you're cheated on, I, 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 at least that's how I felt. And the ego of, well, you could cheat on me? Like, <laughs> really? Um, that thought. And I think most people have that thought, the embarrassment that you feel if someone steps out of the relationship and, and then all of a sudden people who knew you were dating and, and know you casually so they don't know everything about you and you see them at a bar and they're just like, oh, well, what happened? And you're like, oh, man, we just, it just ended. You know, like you don't want, you don't, you just kind of, you don't want to say they cheated on me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. You feel admit. embarrassed. Um, at least I did. And I feel like a lot of people do. Um, and just kind of thinking about this, recognizing that that might have happened, but I'm sure I played a role in the relationship. And more specifically, I wasn't going to let my ego, uh, you know, I started just telling people, well, she cheated on me, you know? And that was kind of a very freeing experience. And it was, for my ego, it was just accepting that anyone could, that could happen to anyone. It wasn't about me, you know? It wasn't, it wasn't a reflection on my ego or my self-worth. It was just something that happened. And, and maybe I could have done things different in the relationship to have a healthy relationship. But I wasn't going to let my ego tell me that I was too good to be cheated on. Um, what do you think helped you get to that perspective? Do you think it was just age and time, or was there just somewhere you were in your I life? Think it was, you? I think it was a little bit of age, um, and then I think part of it was that desire to do it differently than I did when I was younger. It was self-preservation almost. It's, it's just interesting because you said you were in your 20s when this happened. And I mean, I think we all know there's like 50-year-olds out there who still don't react that way. I was 28. <laughs> So, I mean, it's interesting that you've kind of, oh, you have, it's like your analytical mind actually helps you there. It's because like you go it, inwards that, with your analytical did, mind. It did, because I really had to go, I thought about it, and I kind of reverse engineered it. And, you know, and basically, to kind of give more detail, that the breakup, when I said was really, for like six months, I didn't accept the breakup, and I was like 21 or 22. And I literally was just like, I'm going to get her back. And like, I just didn't want to accept it. And... I just fixated and so focused on it, and I, my, my got it. You know, my friends, <laughs> and uh, and my friends, my closest, my my friends, I'm still friends with today. It's just like they didn't want to hang out with me anymore. At the time, I felt like offended, and how could you not be there for me? And then I look back and be like, I was terrible to hang out with, you know. <laughs> and that that happens, and it's just like I just didn't really like that person, I, and so it was not wanting to, to to go there and so that also kind of taught me something about you know and then again when again when people ask me about advice or when it comes to dating or heartbreak is you can't control how you feel you can control how you react so there's a difference and so uh, you can feel however you want you're allowed to feel how you want and you when something happens you feel it it's, you're going to feel it but how you react to it is also different so when people are like, you can't tell me how to feel no nah, you're right I, but i I can't expect you how to act in, in various situations. And so I had to learn that about myself first. So what coping mechanisms, A, because it does feel like your anxiety was all during this time too. So like what coping mechanisms did you start if you, were, if you look so inward and you are so self-analytical, did you come up with coping mechanisms to help you with your anxiety? I've always been athletic. So 
working out yeah. was always my go-to. Um, and talking through it, it helps. But for when talking, I, I, there's a breaking point because I do ruminate and dwell is that I can talk it in circles. I have to be able to shut it off. Um, and then, you know, it wasn't until later that I got in starting using essential oils. It was like my sister's a holistic nutritionist and she's like, well, try this stuff. And I'm like, eh, you know, and that helped. Um, and so, it, and again, and it's how just did it help? eating. Like, so also, it's like not eating sugar has been big for me, which I still do, but I try to limit. But that. you do see the connection with your anxiety and the sugar. Sugar, yes, big time. So talk about the oils. So your sister's like, all right, here you go. Like, I have an oil for you. And you're like, eh. Yeah, which one Ma- did you well, try first? Maria's a holistic nutritionist, and she got into that um, because she's six to, she's my height. Um, wow. And as a young woman um, growing up, she was always, I mean, she's beautiful and perfectly proportioned. And But growing up, I was always like, you're big. <laughs> uh, which affected her. Um, and, you know, I, I, she had some sort of eating disorders it wasn't extreme and you know but she's you know her biggest problem is that she would she would only eat like a bowl of spinach you know which is not you can't live off that and that's all she would eat or she would do you know and um she got unhealthy in it and good for and she changed that and got into alternative and that's was her motivation to be a holistic nutritionist and she's very good at it and so you know through her community she learned about essential oils and, and, you know, I was thinking about getting on like medication and things like that. And I didn't really want to. And so she suggested I tried it. And at that point I was like, you yeah, know, sure. I'll, it seems a little hocus pocusy, but whatever. Um, and it really helped. Um, and it just helped relax me. I think part of me, and there's obviously with essential oils, there's, you know, proven medicinal benefits to it. There's also um, just kind of that state of mind of to, when I use it, whether it's in a diffuser or I roll it on, just that conscious thought of like it's aromatherapy. So you put it on, you smell it, and so you could kind of take that moment to you know, stop and breathe and, and, and breathe in the essential oils. And, and that just helped me because sometimes I just need to pause and just take a time out and just stop You're what I'm doing. You're speaking our language. I like know. it. Um, so those were, you know, that's how I got into it. So do you, and that's really helps so you didn't go on medication. I've, I don't take medication. So you no. avoided that, and it's actually really helped you. Yeah, and it's not to say that I still have my moments, um, but yeah. What is like a trigger for you? There's no specific thing. So it can be totally random. Yeah, I mean it's, I mean it's really just I it's when I it's when it's when I have so I I say selfish thoughts. I don't know if when I'm focused on me, you know. When I'm like, when the worries of the world that you are dwell on, and so I try, I just try not to do that sometimes. But it's, it's like not to be cheesy, but it's like, have you done like the gratitude practice? Because that's what a lot of people say in that world, especially if you feel like you've noticed that it's so inward. Like sometimes just every day, like waking up and like having your mental list, like can help you start yeah. to train your I mean, brain. I mean, I'm that. not totally familiar with that, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 really just stop thinking about things you need and, 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 you know, buying someone a cup of coffee. Do you, what advice do you have for like kids or college kids or people who might not know? Cause I would assume for you for a while, it was just weird not even knowing what it was. Like, did you feel like slightly out of control? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I think if the advice I'd give my younger self or anyone to ask is like, and it's hard to do cause you don't have perspective. 
you know, how do you, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not lucky enough to be a, a parent yet, but there's only one thing I want to try to figure out how to do is teach my kid perspective. And that's, I don't know how you do it. It's pretty tough. That's hard. Um, it's constantly changing. Yeah, and I always kind of thought, and I, and I said this on my podcast, is I get a lot of questions, and, you know, when you're younger, and I, I kind of thought, at least, I don't know if this is a thing, but I, at least for me, and I think this is, I think 20s are really hard, and I think they're harder for more people these days because I think we're growing up a little bit slower, but um, when you're in the teenager, you are fantasizing about how you think your life's going to be, you know? Um, you're like 16 and 17, your, your brain's working like an adult now, and you know you're close to literally being an adult at 18, and then there's the expectation of college, and what comes after college, and even if you're a guy or a young woman, you're thinking about, oh, I might meet someone, or get married, and I could have kids, and, and I feel like as an early teenager, you start building this list of expectations for yourself, all the things that you're going to do, all these dreams, and and then all of a sudden, life happens, and in a blink of an eye, you're 23, 24, you graduate from college, and all of a sudden you graduate from college, you're like, oh, shit, I, I graduated from college. I didn't, this would take forever. And then you, well, I guess I have to get a job now. And like, should I meet someone? And all of a sudden you turn 25, and you're just like, well, I haven't done anything I thought I was definitely going to do by the time I was 25. And you start freaking out and panicking. And I think in your early 20s, you, you, I think a lot of people make the mistake of trying to live up, the ex, live up to the expectations they set for themselves when they were teenagers and knew nothing about themselves, but yet we decide that, that those are dreams we have to live up to. And I think as you get older, you start realizing that was kind of silly and you kind of reset. And I, if I were younger, I would try to paint that image of like, you know, why don't you just try to be present and be in the moment? I really struggle with being present uh, often. And well, yeah. Speaking of that, have you? Where are you in your process? Like, does is anxiety still the reality for you, mm -hmm. or can you detach it where you know it's you feel it, but it's not your reality? Both. I mean, it's still a reality, um, but I can feel it coming on, and I like evil will have a thought and take it. You know, um, sometimes it is just like busting out of essential oil and breathing, and you know, I started meditating, uh, through, you know, with you and. Um, or it's calling a friend to say, I just need to talk. You know, certain people I, I trust in my life where I just, uh, you just know they'll listen and give you some guidance and a, a quick pep talk, and then that usually helps. Um, Do you tell me why someone who has anxiety would think going on The Bachelorette would be a good idea? <laughs> um, I like a challenge. Um, <laughs> I've always enjoyed a challenge. Also, to that point, I've... Like, it's a part of life. I, 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 I don't like using my um, um, ailments or my, my weaknesses as an excuse. I've always been that way. Um, and so, ooh, to me, a weakness is an opportunity to make a strength. And, you know, uh, everyone has anxiety, I guess. At least, I mean, I don't know. I can't, not everyone. But it wasn't ever going to let stop me from doing something. Um, and but that was an opportunity that presented itself. But then how did you handle it? Because that is a pressure cooker. So for someone well, who does... Well, at times, poorly. Well, <laughs> no, but talk about it, because for just someone who does not experience anxiety, that is a tough place to be going through that stuff. So talk about it from a point of view of someone who does have anxiety. Um, how did you navigate that? And like you said, sometimes poorly. But like in general, how... Well, I mean, that world is it's so... It's so messed up for anyone... Um, it creates anxiety. <laughs> it's it's different for everyone. Um, I mean, for me, I just remember my experience. I I 
I got lucky, I guess, is because I went when I was 32, 33. You're like I, a grandpa I, compared to some of the people these days. Yeah. <laughs> even, um, even then, I was one of the older guys. <laughs> I was self-conscious about it. And, uh, but I, you know, I worked in corporate America for 10 years, and I was, I had, you know, I was an adult, you know, and so I was thankful to kind of do that. Um, I almost didn't get casted because I thought it would just be the boring, you know, the boring old guy. Um, and I, I'll never forget night one. I was, I remember, and I, I could tell I wasn't like, well, at least some of the producers' favorites. I was the right producer's favorite. Um, <laughs> well, she was one. She was the head producer, and I'll, she walked into my hotel room right before we were about to get in the limo, and she's like, "I think you're a player," and I'm like, "I think you're just saying that." Um, but some of the other ones I've since become good friends. You know, you, there's this whole thing. You can like, they're talking. You're like, why is anyone like navigating me? And there was a, it was it's such a whirlwind. I just remember thinking, I'm gonna get the hell out of here. I'm just going to leave. This is, this is stupid. Um, I got a good thing going at home. And, and then I was just like, well, I'm here. You know, I might as well just go talk to the girl. Um, and then the worst thing could possibly happen is she gave me the first impression rose, and I was fucked. Um, and at that point, it's, it, um, you know, for me, at least in that experience, for me, how I handle it, and I kind of got unlucky that season is because it was a bro season with not a lot of personalities. And so here I was. And the only approach I took with, with Andy was she gave me the first impression rose and we actually had a really nice conversation. And I felt immediately the, uh, uh, like a tangible connection. And, and then I had an early date and then, and then I was really screwed. And I just remember thinking to myself, here I was, there's no way I'm going to like this girl. I think I really like her. And so I tried to make a very unrealistic situation as real as possible. Um, so I took it serious, you know, and I was like, I'm just going to pursue this relationship in front of me. And, and, you know, they, you know, I got, I got myself in trouble. I mean, in the confines of that world, it can get you in trouble um, by not playing the game sometimes. So, uh, yeah, it did get you in trouble. I mean, it was a long line. You're still like now you're a bachelor nation. Yeah. You're stuck. How, but how, so I want to talk about a little more about the anxiety and then we can move on. One of the things I came across on that show, though, is you do have a strong moral code. Like, what you believe, you believe. Like, you tend to feel like you really know who you are, whether that's true or not. For the most part, yeah. You have I mean, conviction in that. I, I've, met, I've mentioned this before. I mean, I, to some degree, one thing I am proud of uh, that I don't think happens all the time with the people on that, as I always was just me. Um, I had never played a character. Um, I never, um, I didn't edit myself to be less interesting because I had a fear of not being liked, and I, I, uh, I didn't exaggerate who I was because I was trying to get attention. And I think over time that has served me well, and I think that has allowed me to, to be asked to come back because it was authentic. Um, and I am proud of that. And I think there are other people in that world who do a good job of that. And then there's a lot of other people who will either totally edit themselves or they're, they, they think they're doing uh, what, what will get them the most attention. But how does anxiety play in that? Of like, And this might be a like confusing question, but how does anxiety in the sense of, I'm sure when you're in it, sometimes you can't see clearly or your thoughts aren't as clear. So how, what's the relationship of like your strong... like moral code or understanding yourself and anxiety like when does it get wishy-washy well, to or some can, degree can i was well, to some degree the anxiety 
didn't happen until later on because you're so fixated on this thing that you didn't have time to worry about. I'm talking about life in general. Well, that's kind of how that world works. They remove all other stimulation. You know, you have nothing to stimulate yourself. I mean, I watched this documentary, which is really fascinating, that the brain prefers boredom to pain, uh, prefers pain to boredom. Because ultimately, Something. pain is a form of stimulation, and yeah. it would rather be stimulated than not stimulated. And so, in that world, they remove all of their stimulation, and so the, all you have in front of you is this relationship or these feelings that you can fixate on. Oh, that's genius. And so, I kind of like wasn't <laughs> worried about it, other other things. It was this kind of almost freeing in that regard. That well, like, well, I'm off, I'm off the grid, you know. So all that weird stuff, I, I just worried about this and then that way it was kind of nice until the end and it gets really weird and then kind of stress out but it's so interesting because that's honestly life I mean don't we all do that it's like when life's going well for you and things are going well for some reason we all fuck it up because it's almost like your body the cells in your body just almost can't handle the average or the norm so it's like it's so interesting that they took that and actually put it into a formula but we all do that it's like you crave some sort of stimulation and sometimes to the detriment of what's best for you totally I mean and again in the dating world sometimes we're often doing things because we're bored yeah it's like should I call him sure (laughs) like nah I don't think you should you're bored Um, you know, stuff like that. Hey, you guys, just a quick note, because we do get asked all the time, what are other things we can do? We have so many certifications. So if you're in the area and want to come and do some live, you should really check out our certifications. We have our big one. That is a 400-hour teacher training certification. That is incredible, not only if you don't want to be a teacher, but if you just want to go deeper in your meditation practice, where you learn about all lineages. We have all the Reikis, one, two, three, and master. We do intuitive healing, which is a longer program about learning how to read people intuitively and do readings. We also have an animal communications and a self-compassion passion, so many. My point is, check it out. There's ways to dig deeper into your practice. There's ways to get certifications. Go to denmeditation.com and take a look. Sorry for the interruption, guys, but I want to talk about our next Den Talks Live event. They have been going so well. They're super informative and also really fun. The next one is Thursday, April 25th at 7.30 p.m. at the La Brea location. We are doing female bosses, and we have some badass ladies coming on. We have Tracy Picosa. She's the president of entertainment of NBC Universal. Iman Ubu of Sway Media. Sarah Tuttle of Olive and June. Kirby Bumpus of Sweet Green. And per usual, some amazing gift bags with surprises from all of our sponsors, including Little West, Ojas Shape House, Moto Yoga, and Four Sigmatic, and more. We always do light bites and drinks at the end as well, so you get a chance to really socialize and talk to everybody. And there's a Q&A, so you really do get so much out of this. It's always fun. We hope to see you there. Again, it's Thursday, April 25th. If you're interested, go to dentalkspodcast.com to reserve your space. What do you want? Like, how do you feel? I mean, your life, obviously, you go on a show that changes your life drastically. And, like, you just went through this whole thing where you're right. In your 20s, you feel like you're supposed to be doing something because of what you believed when you were a teen and a kid. And then you had a shift that obviously you wouldn't have imagined would have happened. So now that your life looks completely different, do you feel like you know what it is you want? Do you feel like you're figuring that out? Do you I feel like in some ways I'm still figuring it out. I think the only, the only constant I've ever had in my life, not to sound cheesy, is to be a dad. Um, and, and, and to be in a relationship. Um, that's the one constant. Everything else in my life has, has 
changed. I've always been money motivated, so there's that. But I've also become less money motivated. Um, I, I also I like a challenge, and I like proving myself and other people wrong. And I think sometimes that can be a positive thing for me, and it help and gets it has allowed me to have success. And I think it's also sometimes can distract me to the things that are really important to me. So when as you're going through this journey and you're getting to know yourself better, what do you feel like now in your 30, like what do you feel like has surprised you the most about yourself? Uh, surprised. I, I've, uh, well, I, I wanted to be a cartoonist when I was a kid, so I've always been creative, but I got away from that for a big part of my life. And moving out to L.A., I've really tapped back into that, and that's been really exciting and a lot of fun, and I've really enjoyed that. Um, and that has helped things with anxiety and stuff. And um, I was an accounting major, you know? I was, a, I was a business guy. And I also liked that, too. It could play to that analytical side. Um, but I guess I'm, I'm doing a lot of things out here that in my early adult life never imagined I was going to do, and that's been really exciting. What's your biggest creative outlet? Well, right now I'm really into painting Bob Ross paintings. <laughs> um, that's been fun. And do you find it challenging to be someone who has these two brains? Because it is rare. I mean, usually someone's way stronger one or the other. They're either super analytical, kind of business-minded, or they're creative. And it is rare to find people that kind of fall down the middle. Do you find that challenging to kind of exist in that world? Sometimes. You know, it's kind of like that, um, you know, good at a lot of things, not great at anything, um, potentially. But I've been fortunate where I've, I've, feel fortunate to have accomplished a lot and, and reached some milestones that are unique, I guess. But um, What do you want to be great at? What do I want to be great at? I don't, I don't know. I just like, I don't know. I mean, I would, you know, right now my, my biggest focus has been natural habits and, and I would like to, I'm really proud of that and I want to build that and I want to um, turn it into something. Um, so that's, because that's something I started from, from nothing and so that's, that's pretty cool, at least to me. Right. Um, and, um, you know, I've, I've been, since I've been in LA, I've been doing some acting and that's something I truly never thought I would do and I am, you know, I play the long game in that, and I've had a little bit of successes, and I work really hard, and I have coaches, and that's also something I just assume every, no one thinks I'm going to have any success in, and so that's a driving force for me, and, and also, like, I also wonder if I'll have success in it, but the little bit of moments I have, it's been really fun to do, and it's been this kind of outlet, and um, anytime I have a, the smallest a bit of success in it, it feels really good, um, just because it's so far removed from what, you know, even when I was 32, you know. What do you feel like you still are working on? Like your Achilles Everything. heel? Everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you got to, if you ever think you've made it, then you stop being better. True. I mean, I don't know whoever, who, who's made it? Like who's figured it all out? Do you ever, I mean, you said your biggest issue is like pausing because you talk so much about it's like there's, you're competitive. So, and very, you're, and it's yeah. not only competitive with other people, you're very competitive with yourself. Yes. I'm a little too, I'm, I'm a little too cri critical of myself. 
What do you feel like you're most critical of? Um, everything. <laughs> That's well, hard. I mean, just like That's so hard. You know, feedback, you know, like also like, you know, I don't know what's better. You know, I have friends where they're very good at they like being liked, and so they're very good at always being on um and they're good at being very liked often. Um and like I've been fortunate, like I've been like I've been liked my life. I've been lucky to have get a tent, you know, whatever. But sometimes, I with my sarcastic wit or my dry sense of humor or whatever, I can, you know, it's just like I like being liked, but I also like can't help myself, you know. And sometimes that <laughs> be like, oh, you're a if jerk, you just make like my life said. easier on myself, I could just just say what they want you to say, and I'm like, eh, it's not fun. What do you feel like has gotten you, and then we'll wrap it up into your four years, but on that note, when is one time you couldn't, you're like, fuck it, I'm just going to say it, that's gotten you in the most trouble? I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I was on TV once. Am I the only one who didn't think that was so bad? I just didn't think it was that bad. It's not that, like, I mean, the, the thing about calling Andy out was, A, I wasn't trying to call her out, but it just wasn't the time or the place to do it. And in a sense that, listen, sometimes when you say things, whether you have good intentions or not, it can affect other people, and it certainly made life hard on her for a while. Tell me about a time that wasn't on TV, because that exacerbates it no matter what. So tell me about a time, like, in day-to-day life that you should have, you just couldn't control yourself and I got you in trouble. Um, other than that, I've... You're well-behaved. I was. I mean, as a kid, I was, I was a bit of a rule follower. Um, and that's my warrior in me. I'm, I'm risk-averse at times. Um, I've become less risk-averse, but not so much that it's a reckless decision. Like, even going on the, the show, I was fortunate. You know, it was like, I would never have gone on if it weren't for my employer at the time saying, we'll, we'll take you back. And so I was lucky. So I, uh, when I moved out to L.A. And, and, and finally quit, it still was with their blessing of, well, if you ever want to come back, we'll, we'll take it back. So it was like a calculated risk, but I kind of thought it through of like, well, if this doesn't work out, I'm, here are my outs and here are my options. Do you feel like just being on a show that's kind of so insane has actually really helped you with becoming less of a worrier and less of a, and being more of a risk taker? Yes. I've become drastically a a bigger risk taker um, as a result of of taking that big risk. And every every everybody should go on the show. (laughs) Yeah, sure. No. Uh, Yeah, no, that that really has, it's that. and I am thankful for that because I think sometimes we, uh, in life, especially again in our 20s, we get, we get settled into a life that we've built for ourselves. Um, and sometimes that life is only okay. And sometimes yet we've you know, established certain things that make it hard. It's like, well, man, if I, if I change course now, I have to give up a lot and it feels like a big risk. And is that okay, you know? Um, and I've, I feel like I've, usually things aren't, everything's going to be fine. You know, that's, I've, I've learned that from going on the show and and being a warrior, you know, as much as I worry, if if you're going to be a warrior, you kind of realize, well, I I worry a lot for nothing. Um, and so you learn that everything's just really going to be fine. You know, it all just works itself out. And so if you want to take a risk, you can do it just 
think it through and, and if you're going to take a risk then really go for it you know don't don't waste your time and, and don't waste other people's time and so I've learned that that about myself um, and yeah that that's made life a little bit more exciting I know it's funny when I was opening the den which obviously was a huge risk and I mean I have a whole long story about all this stuff which I'll spare the boring details but I remember like I kept putting off doing the one thing that I knew would set the trains in motion because I knew that once I commit to taking the risk, it would just be really fast. Like exactly what you were just saying. It would just yeah. be fast and happen. And it really was. Once I was like, okay, I'm doing it. I think within five months, the doors were open, which is a lot. I mean, that was like branding, getting the space, fixing sure, the space, but it's, doing it. Sometimes it's never as hard as our brain tells itself to be. I actually remember It's never as hard as your brain tells I, I, to for, be. I, I lived in Milwaukee. I grew up in Milwaukee and lived in Milwaukee most, in all through my 20s. And I just always felt like the kid growing I loved Milwaukee. I still love Milwaukee. But I, it just, I felt always out of place in a sense. I always, even as a young kid, liked a big city. Um, and I always just kind of felt like I needed to leave. And I always, when I was growing up, I used my younger siblings kind of as an excuse. It's like, well, you know, they're, they're so young and I don't want to be the distant brother. And my parents were always great saying, you got to live your life. And I just never did. And I also was very close with my friends. And I thought about moving to Chicago so often and just never did. I don't know why. I was, and I was in relationships, but I just, I just wanted to, but I was kind of deep down afraid. And then finally, in my, you know, in my early 30s, I, I, I ended a relationship and looked around, and all my other friends were getting married with kids, and, and it's Milwaukee. It's small. So I feel like I've kind of either dated you or your friend, and I don't <laughs> know who else to. And so I kind of was like, screw it. I'm going to move. And I just did it. And then I ended up, you know, I had a job offer in San Francisco. I thought I was going to move there. I ended up taking a job in, in, in Chicago. And, you know, when I was living in Milwaukee, I, I moved, you know, to four different places over the course of, of eight years. You know, and you'd move from across town or whatever. And I moved to Chicago, which is 90 miles south. And after I moved and settled in, I was like, well, that was literally as easy as it was moving across the street. <laughs> and for something I debated and pined so over and wondered and, and it was like that was incredibly easy and it was like why didn't I just do that you know and so I think we do that sometimes where do you feel most at home I guess now LA yeah. I mean so I've been here for three like and a half home. years and I've uh yeah I I, I feel bad when I go you know when I get I get I get real anxious when I go home you do yeah what do you think it is, is it the family is it just I don't know what to do you know, I, I'm a doer. I like to do things. It's hard to. It's hard for me to relax in that sense. I like going home to see my friends. Um, I do like the show. Doesn't help with that. Going home, it's you know the anticipation of running into people. Like I love seeing my closest friends and my family, but there's always the other people you run into. It's like, I don't know what to ask. Right. This. All right. Well, what's up? Like, how do you? What do you? You know, and so I, and sometimes I make that worse. And so you better pack a lot of oils every time you go home. Yeah, my, it bugs my mom. She she'd like to see me more calm. <laughs> so let's do your four years. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> let's do your four years, which are four quick takeaways, four quick answers for the audience. So, what's your favorite self care hack? Uh, exercising um, and. Um, been using essential oils because essential oils again they they help me with the benefits they have they also give me a moment of pause um it's like a double whammy of knowing i need to do this and help me but also like why am i using it 
Um, were you using them when you were meditating too? Because that's also really helpful. Yeah, yeah. I, I used our release for those. Release, everybody. Um, so whoever has it. What's your favorite documentary or movie? Um, I just, not too long ago, uh, watched uh, a duck Abducted in Plain Sight. Wild. Have you guys seen that? He relieved himself in an act of masturbation was the one line that really struck me. Uh, I thought it was really fascinating on a couple <laughs> levels. Um, and that's what I was referring to before about religion and stuff. And my biggest takeaway from that, watching that was, you know, basically it was a story about a family that was in this tight-knit community that um, I think the biggest crime in that whole thing was there's just so much ignorance, you know? And... and people being afraid to ask questions or admit who they were. And it was just a lot of not knowing and not knowing because they were afraid to ask questions and, and afraid to think outside the box. And as a result, this terrible tragedy happened of this girl getting abducted. All, all really happened because people were afraid of just, you know, being seen for who they were or, or uh, asking the tough questions. And that, I think that was, for me, that I thought was the most fascinating thing about it and the saddest thing about it. And, um, you know, sometimes we should, should do that. What's your current obsession? Bob Ross paintings. <laughs> I've been really into it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I used, to, good. I used to stare at that TV, like, growing up. You no, just, I do like, them. Like, I, I do them. I, I watch them on, um, well, I'll watch them on YouTube, and I'll go buy a canvas. I think and, I just dated myself. And then way. I just, no, I, oh, I used to watch them all the time. <laughs> but then I was watching one time, and I'm like, I can do this. I used to, I used to paint. It's like the snow caps. No, happy little, <laughs> happy little mountains and happy accidents and, and pretty little trees. And but by the way, that's what he was so brilliant at. You'd be like, I, I can do this. I can make a whole like, fall scene. You of, really like, can. It, it's, it's set up so that you can do it. If, I mean, it helps if you have a little bit of an artistic. I do not. Um, <laughs> but it really, it's not, it's, he, it, is, it is set up that, he says it in every episode. You guys can do this too. And I was like, okay, you know? And so I've been doing it. So when you do it, do you practice before you go? Well, I mean, I have a, a I have social media. And um, so part of me, I, I, you know, in full disclosure, I, I did it because it was like, I joke with some of my, like, my, follower, my followers are literally 93% women, right? My followers are 93% women who love love. They love babies and they love uh, uh, relationships. Well, currently I have none of those. <laughs> and so it's, it's you know, it, I kind of like take the piss out of myself by, you know, doing some of the, my antics on social media because I kind of joke, like if I was never on The Bachelor, I wouldn't have Instagram and I would never stop to take a picture of myself. Like, I, I don't, it doesn't make any, it's weird. <laughs> um, and so, like, I don't have the luxury of being like, here's my kid you know, um, or here's my girlfriend. Just like my whole Instagram. So I just kind of like try to do some funny things. I was like, well, I'll just start doing Bob Ross paintings and like just videotaping them and then putting them on my social media. That's kind of how Do you I, practice before you put them on? So I, I started doing, yes, I would, I would do one. I'd watch Bob Ross and then I would then videotape it. But the last one I did, I did it was my first time doing it and it turned out pretty good. What do you, what's your first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Sadly, usually it's... Look at your phone. Look at my phone. Yeah, we got to change that. Yeah. That's hard. That's I'll, hard I'll with anxiety, by the I, way. I, I, I will get to the point where I'll do it and think, this is not 
this is not helping you, <laughs> and I'll do it anyways. So you're getting to the aware place, so now you need to dwell a little bit. We're getting yeah. to know your patterns, and yeah. then maybe you'll break it. It'll get, yeah. It, it, my phone gives me a lot of anxiety, and yet my phone is often my escape. It's, and it doesn't, I feel like that's everybody, right? It's, it's, it's when I get anxious in a crowd, I'll bury my face in a phone, and I'll literally be like, I have nothing to do here. I don't... I've, no, it's all the same shit. I mean, we all complain that there's yeah. no connection, and then this is what we do. It's, yeah. it's hard. It's, it's quite a problem for everybody. You're not alone. I'm really bad. I, I, well, I can imagine. But I don't think you're alone. Who here has a problem with their phone? Everybody, right? I've gotten better. Yeah. I've gotten better about my phone being out of my room when I sleep, which has been very helpful, so I suggest that. Thank you so much. We're going to do your personal practice afterwards, but isn't he amazing? And there's so much more to him than people like that you don't always get to see with your Bob Ross painting. So I'm glad we got a chance to chat. Thank you. Yeah, no, Thanks of course. For me. So for your personal practice, which is what we always like, is just something that our listeners can go back and either ruminate on, meditate with, or if it is a meditation, so... You have a quote that you want to share with everyone, right? Uh, I do. I mean, I, I'm going to butcher the quote, but basically I've, I'm, I'm a big believer in balance. I'm not a big horoscope person, but I am a Libra, and I've been told we like balance. But um, I, I do really believe in, in balance. Um, and there's a, a quote about just letting go because it, it, it frees kind of your soul, and, and having a free soul allows you to have more balance in your life. And so that's... Something I constantly try to remind myself, but it really starts with letting go, and I have a really hard time with that. So when I think of things over and over, I'm just like, you just got to let it go, man. You know, it's, it's not really doing anything. It's like a rocking chair, something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere. I love how honest you've been about everything, because it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, because I think for any of us to act like we've figured it out is a bunch of bullshit. And I feel like one of the ways, I mean, this whole point of us doing this podcast in general and doing these live panels is to educate people and give people a chance to learn. And sometimes learning is through not feeling alone and for being able to relate to another experience. And that was really why I was like, we need to talk to you because you've been very open and honest about whether it be your relationships or the fact that you're still struggling and learning how to let go and have the pause. I feel like so many of us are there. So I really appreciate that and giving people a chance to relate to it. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Den Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielik, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there.